The following is a hoop ball presentation. My name is Lawrence Brooks, and you're listening to the Hoop Ball Mavericks podcast. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my betting tips. I always get asked, who you got, Lakers or Clippers, Brady or Mahomes? And I'll tell you what I tell them. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets. The one sportsbook guaranteed to give me the best lines, for Tuesday night basketball, Saturday night playoffs, and everything in between. And you know me, I don't give my stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do, and my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched way halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best, bet with my bookie. Again, my name is Lawrence Brooks. This is the HOOPBALL Mavericks podcast. We are back. And this is our final pod after the season has officially ended. And before I get started, let me just say thank you to everyone, all the subscribers, everyone who took even a moment out of their day to listen, leave a leave a note, um, subscribe, like I said, uh, try it out. Even if you didn't download it, just took a moment out of your day to acknowledge and at least give it a try. So thank you guys for bearing with me. It's been a long year. It has been a lot of ups and downs with this team, been a lot of ups and downs personally, but we've made it through and there's a lot to be, lot to celebrate, but I first and foremost want to say thank you to you all. It is truly appreciated. Now, with that being said, the Dallas Mavericks, um, I've had a chance at this point to get my emotions together because we were all honestly, you know, frustrated, upset, angry for for, you know, a variety of reasons after they flamed out in the Game 7 loss. Um, A game that was winnable. A game that they certainly had an opportunity to um, steal, much like a couple of the previous games, but they came up short. And, you know, that happens, especially with a team that is undermanned. And that's where we have to start today in understanding and with the harsh reality that the Dallas Mavericks were not supposed to win this series because they are the lesser talented team. And when you play a playoff series, that's the beauty of the NBA is that you have to beat a team four times and and more times than not, I would say at least 95% of the time, the better team with the better roster prevails and this in this this playoff series was no different I mean I know we got really you know high on the hog so to speak because they won the first two games and they were in the driver's seat to win this series and Luca was playing phenomenal and everyone's shooting you know so fantastic and everything looked great and as we all knew they weren't going to sweep the Clippers we still all felt as if the the Mavericks had a very good shot at ending their season and it just did not happen and I talked about it initially you know my my initial prediction was that the Mavs would lose in seven and that's what happened 
And so, however it was going to happen, I definitely didn't see them taking a 2-0 lead. Um, this series was the first where each team won all of the road games on each other's home floor. And there was just a lot of things happening in this series that we just didn't know were sustainable and things that we just did not see coming. That being one of them where they literally went on the road and won every road game except for the one they needed most, which was Game 7. Final score in the Game 7 uh, loss was 126-111. to 111. And there's a lot of questions to be had about this team. And so first, let me start off by saying, or I'll just start off with love in general. This team went through every emotion, every almost every obstacle you could have for a season where it was condensed, for a season that saw us come back earlier than normal, for a season that tested everyone's uh, safety with the fact that we're on protocols each and every day. There's a lot of different variables in terms of your contact with friends and family that was um, putting a strain on guys. It, and we know it's been very much reported on how COVID impacted this Dallas team. And yet and still through all of that, through the shortened off season, through the condensed schedule, through the COVID situation, which I'm sure everyone was dealing with in some shape, form, or fashion, whether you got it personally, whether you had a family member with it, whether you had to stay distant from family and friends, from your customary routine of after games being able to go hang out with your loved ones, those things, whether we you know, think of that as or not, that's still being affected. And through all of that, the Mavericks were able to finish fifth in the Western Conference. With, a, with at least six or seven games that we all know that they probably still should have won, which could have propelled them to fourth place. But yet and still, this team finished fifth in the West despite those circumstances. And so that is to be commended, which if you follow me on Twitter, I said, you know, on the Hootball Mavericks uh, Twitter account, I said thank you to the Mavericks because this is a season that, you know, is something to be proud of. It is something to be proud of because this team definitely achieved um, something great despite the circumstances, which they could have just folded up the tent and just went home, but they did not. They continued to fight. They continued to push forward. And having a superstar like Luka Doncic certainly helps that situation. So thank you to the Mavericks. Salute to a good season. Now there's time. Now it's just time to get to work and building a better roster. So back to me speaking about the things that happened throughout this season, or should I say, in the playoffs, that were very much a detriment to their loss. And you know, the hot topic, obviously, which everyone is speaking about in in Mavericks Nation, is the roster. This roster has been talked about all season. We've spoken about them needing a, another true playmaker off the ball or to get Luka off the ball, I should say, because he's just not able to play. He has so much offensive responsibility right now. It's just not feasible for him to play off the ball for any long stretch of uh, time. Even in the playoff series, you can see he wasn't really able to sit as long as maybe he would have liked. The rest was definitely getting shorter, which it does for most players 
in the playoffs anyway because you're playing against much better teams. The games are much more important, and the the rotations have been um, the rotations have been limited and shrunk down because of that reason. So when you add that up, you could just see that Luca was dealing with having solid role players while the Clippers had two bona fide stars and then high-end role players that that were performing at a really good level. Reggie Jackson came alive. Marcus Morris came alive. Terrence Mann gave them some good minutes. Rajon Rondo and Patrick Beverly were eliminated from this series, but all you need is a few guys to make things happen. And that's exactly what happened for the Clippers. And on top of the fact that their two stars were virtually unstoppable. But they had two guys. So it's easier to keep yourself fresh. It's also easier mentally because you know there's someone else to take the load off of you. And that's just a luxury that the Mavericks did not have. And so that brings me to Porzingis. We speak about Porzingis. First of all, he's a guy who averaged 20 points a game throughout the season. True shooting percentage of 58. Um, And so there is some ability there. He can play basketball. He's a guy who who can make things happen. Now, for me, I actually think, I don't think getting rid of Porzingis is the answer. I think you they just need to add another star, another guy that can actually make things, especially a guy who can break down the defense and make things happen. Because that's exactly what they need. When you look at Porzingis, he's a guy who lacks strength, you can you can just tell, and and he knows it. You can tell by where he's posting up and how he's playing. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, throughout the game, he's not posting up with a lot of intention to get his guy as close to the basket as possible. He's not a guy who's posting up with the intent to punish you with muscle. His a lot of the times when he's posting up, it's literally a catch and shoot turnaround jump shot. And while that can that can be effective if he's on, but the problem is it does not force a defense to rotate. It does not force a defense to double. It does not force a defense to give you any more attention than single coverage, which the 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 Clippers were very comfortable defending him straight up. One on one, no help. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work no matter what. And that's because he doesn't force you to make any decisions because of the, his style of play. He's more of a pick-and-pop guy. He's a guy who needs a lot of space to operate, and when, it, and when there's traffic, he struggles because he's not very strong. I would say that this offseason, Porzingis probably needs to get in the weight room. That's without being said, but more so than that, really strengthening his core because that is the baseline of everything that you do. And for a guy like him, his midsection needs to be it needs to be extremely strong to hold position to to be able to back guys down and then also working on his lower body strength to make sure that he can actually get guys into positions where he can be advantageous on the block or wherever he would like to go on the court. Because I think that his ability to stretch the floor is great. His ability to shoot over guys is great. One dribble pull up, he has that. If he has to take more than two or three dribbles, it's not ideal. So you definitely don't want him doing too much of that. But if you get a guy like maybe a Kyle Lowry 
or another type of guard that can get downhill, force defenders to rotate and then kick out. And you can use Porzingis as more as a third option guy than a second option guy that you need to bend defenses and create advantages for other guys on the floor. And that's just something that Porzingis does not do right now. So as a second layer to that, like I spoke about, I think for Porzingis, it's this. A guy like him who has spent a lot of time rehabbing has not been able to spend a lot of time developing. And when you're rehabbing a lot, it's going to take away from development. And I think more than any other year, more than any other time, it was very clear during this playoff series. And that's just the fact. So the good thing is he goes into this offseason reasonably healthy, at least to our knowledge. He doesn't have anything happening. He doesn't have any, you know, any surgeries are needed, no extended time off for, for any aches or pains that maybe are um, ailing him. We don't, uh, as of right now, he doesn't have anything impeding his progress to develop more as a player. So he should live in the weight room and then get in the gym and expand his game. That's the first thing he can do. So, yes, he had a bad series, but remember He's fresh off just last postseason. He was 23 and 10, and he was a force for the Mavericks. Although he got hurt, and we all know durability is has been his biggest nemesis, but he needs to stay healthy. And if he can do that, if he can do that, I like his I like the chances of him coming back as a renewed player next season that's ready to contribute. Now, with that being said, the sound bites he's given all year sounds like a guy who's at peace with the fact that he will not be back with the Mavericks. And that's something else, you know, that can be addressed at a later time if, in fact, that happens. But we're going to attack this as if he's going to be back next season. Because, honestly, I don't think his value on the market gives you anything more. And that may be naive of me, but I just don't see a team giving you up giving anything substantial that's going to get the Mavericks over the hump or make you feel as if now they're taking a next step. I think what they need to do is add to what they have and continue to build and then you got Luka and you bring in another star and then you have Porzingis as maybe your third option which is much more um attractive and much more cohesive for this team than having him as your second star as a guy who does not create because you need multiple creators on the floor at all times. That's something that the Clippers have. That's something that Utah has. That's something that Phoenix has. These teams that are remaining in the playoffs, they have multiple playmakers. And it's not about being fancy. It's not about making you know the splash play. It's about having multiple guys on the floor that can dribble, pass, and shoot, that can bend the defense, make them force rotations, and get guys open shots. And if Luka's going to be the only guy that's doing that, it's going to be extremely tough for them to win. Jalen Brunson can do it, but it's not enough. Tim Hardaway can do it a little bit, but it's not enough. And he's more of a shooter anyway than a guy who's going to get in the lane and find guys and put it on the ground and make things happen. That's just not going to work. They have to upgrade over Maxi Kleba. The, the Mavericks haven't even, you know, Mark Cuban, for, for him being known as such a... excuse me for him being known as a guy who is a great owner 
who is an enthusiastic owner and a guy who wants to win, they haven't paid the luxury tax since 2011, which means they haven't been spending much money. And when you look at the roster, they, they look like a team that has been trying to they've been trying to find bargains and been basically shopping at Marshalls and Ross, but looking for a ton of Nordstrom items. And that's just not possible. You can't do if you want great players, you have to pay for great players. There's no way around it. Yes, you want to have a roster of mixed guys. Maybe you have a couple of guys who are, you know, you got them for a good price and they're overperforming. But the guys that you want for the production you're asking for or the production that's needed around Luka, you have to pay for that. And they're going to have to spend some money this offseason. The exit interviews happen and everything sounds great. It sounds like they're going to try to make some things happen. Um Mark Cuban's in support of keeping Rick Carlisle. It seems as if um, Donnie Nelson wants to, you know, he says they're going to be active this offseason and, and trying to improve this roster. Hopefully they are because Luca's getting ready to sign the max extension. It doesn't kick into the year after next, but he's not going to sit around and and be trapped in a in a contract. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's running out of time. Like he's you at this point. In our current climate of the NBA, player empowerment is an all is at an all time high, and for a guy like Luca, he's only going to accept losing for so long. He's 22 right now, so he still feels great about you know getting this team to the next level, working with the um, franchise to for whatever they need. He's still in competitive. I love being in Dallas mode, but if they continue to penny pinch and not put the ideal pieces around him that can help him get to the next level. He's going to be looking to go elsewhere. And as, and Dallas already isn't, you know, people aren't kicking down the door to get to Dallas anyway. But at this point, at least you have an attractive star in Luka Doncic. Mark Cuban is, is you know, has a reputation as a great owner, but he has to spend. It's time to start spending. It's time to start maximizing this window of opportunity where you have a generational talent on your team. And he's not going to accept being a loser too many more years where it's very clear that he just needs help and that's just the fact of the matter they need help and so when you look at a game like this one and you know there was two things that were happening early in this series that you were like okay can this continue and it was the Mavericks being white hot and it was the Clippers being somewhat cold and lo and behold, it it ended up showing its ugly head. The Mavericks in Game 7 were 10 of 36 from 3 for 27%. Not going to get it done. Just not going to get it done. They were 49% overall from the field, but 10 of 36 from 3 isn't going to work. Meanwhile, the Clippers, who were around 41% on the season and were the top 3-point shooting team in the league, you guessed it, they eventually woke up and they were knocking down threes with regularity. They were 20 of 43 from the three-point line for 46%. They were 50% overall from the field. But in a game with the pace and space and the amount of three-point shots that are shot, there's no way you're going to win games where a team is shooting 50% from three and they knock down 23s and you only make 10 and you shoot 27%. That's the great equalizer right there. The three-point shot is at an all-time high. And so if you're not shooting the three well, you need to get guys who can. 
And so now, as we sit here today, letting go of a guy like Seth Curry looks bad. Um, who knows what you could have got? I, I mean, and for all things considered, Rick Carlisle has his faults. You would think for them to have three picks in the top 36, at least one of those guys would be in the rotation. Tyler Bay didn't play. Nate Hinton certainly didn't play. Josh Green didn't play. And Josh Green was their highest pick this season. And if we're talking about, you know, development and roster construction, like for a guy like, like why would he not get playing time um, in a season like this where, one, you already don't have a lot of, again, free agents aren't necessarily knocking down the door to come to Dallas. So if it's even more important to develop in-house. So a guy like Josh Green should have been getting minutes. Tyler Bay probably could have gotten minutes, especially when you're talking about defense. He's a guy who's a defensive, um, is a defensive guy, was defensive player of the year in the Pac-12, um, and who who and he's and he's a more seasoned veteran. He's not a, a you know he didn't come in as a one and done guy. He's a guy who's had several years of college basketball, which helps translate very well when you get to the NBA and you come in as an upperclassman. So who knows what would have happened there? We can't predict what would have happened, but it would have certainly been good to see the rookies get some development opportunity and not just mop-up duty. So that's kind of the thing with Rick Carlisle. He's one of the best exes in those guys. He got this team. He, I think he maximized this team in terms of what they could do. That's my only gripe is I wish he would have played them. But give him more talent and see what he can do. He's one of the best coaches in the league, but if you're not going to give him the talent he needs – then it's going to look bad no matter what. So the answer isn't getting rid of Rick Carlisle. Like, it's not his fault that this team lost. This team was going to lose because it is a lesser talented roster. And we the, the sooner we all understand that, the better we'll be and the more at peace we'll be with moving on. And then we can get hypercritical about the offseason and what they need to do. But in this game, it really just came down to the fact that the Clippers were they had a better roster. More guys stepped up. I mean, you had Marcus Morris, who was seven of nine from three. You had, you know, um, you had Reggie Jackson, who was three of eight from the three-point line. But all three of his threes came in a critical point of the game where it looks like the Mavs were trying to make a make a run at it, and he just answered. Terrence Mann was two of three from the three-point line, and so. You get that Luke Kennard came in. He was three of five from the three-point line, only played 14 minutes. He was four of six from the field. So you got guys collectively chipping in, making plays, and the Mavericks tried everything they could do. They started the big lineup again. They went with Boban at the five, Porzingis at the four. They tried to continue playing that zone, but the, the Clippers found a rhythm in that zone. And once they found a rhythm, they started knocking down threes, and it was hard to recover from that. Maxi only played nine minutes in this game, and he's been a guy who's been a very high-minute, valuable contributor all season. Jalen Brunson only played 10 minutes, but you got 44 minutes from Luka, 42 from Tim Hardaway, 42 from Porzingis, 39 from Finney Smith, and he was a guy who helped them in the first half continue to stay close because things could have really gotten out of hand without his energy, tenacity, hustle, rebounding. He was a guy who was very helpful. But again, <clears throat> the Mavericks have to look to upgrade from him as well because while he has been a great development story, he's been a guy who's steadily been on the incline for Dallas, they just need better players. And Dorian Finney-Smith, not to say that he has um, 
that he has plateaued and he's flattened out and he's not going to get any better. But how many more years can you wait for him to turn into a 15, 16 point score? You can just continue to have him on the team and he can just be a high, high level, high energy guy. But that's part of a big puzzle of guys that are just better on the roster. Having a better roster makes a guy like Finney Smith look better. Has a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. look better. A guy like uh, Jalen Brunson will continue to look better, but they need to acquire better talent. And that's just the fact of the matter. So I know I went on a little bit of a tangent, but though that's that's where I am in terms of where they need to be looking forward and how this game panned out versus what they need to do in the offseason and how this game dictated how they should move this offseason. So let's see what happens because I'm interested to see how they play. But I think this was this season should be, you know, I give them a round of applause and they should be commended for all they accomplished this season, considering the circumstances. They took the Clippers to seven games and this team could easily end up being the champion. So let's see how they do. But again, Porzingis, I think that he can continue to stay with the team. They just need to add. But if they get rid of him, I'm not sure if they bring in someone that is better suited or more capable or if they get, you know, the necessary personnel back that is more that's more of an addition than a subtraction. Because I think at this point, getting rid of him is just addition by subtraction. So you're not really gaining anything. You're kind of running in place. But we shall see. So thank you guys for listening. I will we will continue with the offseason coverage. Um, went on a little bit of a tangent about this game and about this season and about how they should move um, this offseason. But again, thank you all for listening, subscribing. Um, even if you, you know, forwarded, retweeted, told somebody, told a friend. I just appreciate all the, the love and support that has come from all of you. And we will continue. Again, you can find me on Twitter at LBSaidit. That's L-B-S-A-I-D-I-T. And at HootballMavs. Um, Please go follow. You know, let me know how you feel. We will all be tuned in this offseason because I know we're all anticipating what they will do to further this roster and help Luca to be a better, you know, to have more competition. Because when you look around the NBA, especially the teams that are remaining, they easily probably have the worst supporting cast, or Luca has the worst supporting cast of of players collectively of any team that was that's still playing in the playoffs or that was even playing in the first round. I mean, even if you look at the Hawks or the Knicks or, you know, the um who else? I mean, you you name it, the Suns. Um obviously the Lakers has a supporting cast, although they weren't shooters, but they had a lot of guys that defend and a lot of youth and athletic I mean, not a ton of athleticism, but they had a good blend. Either way, I don't want to rant too long. Um Bottom line is they need more pieces. They need more talent on this team. And that's not to shame any of the guys that they currently have because they're all great guys and they should all be commended for the season they had because everyone pushed through and gave all that they could give. But the facts are the facts. And it was clear in this in this series that they need more shooting. They need more athleticism. They need more all-around talent. And most of all, they need someone else that can take a little bit of the pressure off Luka when it comes to playmaking. So let's see what they do. So you guys enjoy your day. Um, enjoy this summer. Let's see how we do this offseason. I'll definitely be I'll continue to to pod and bring offseason coverage as well. So this is not the end. I will talk to you guys soon. Everyone take it easy. Go Mavs.
This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.